This is David Tarkington, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Orange Park, Florida. Thank you for downloading this sermon. For any other information or questions you may have, please go to firstfam.org or give us a call at 904-264-2351. Church, I invite you to get a copy of God's Word out before you and stand with me as we read from Psalm 61. It is Pentecost Sunday and we are focusing yet on this very deep hymn of the of the Hebrews in Psalm 61. David writes, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Selah. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. May God bless the reading of his holy word. You may be seated. The singer John Mayer has a number of good songs out there, at least good for those that like John Mayer's songs, and yet there is one of those that came to mind as I was reading this psalm. It's titled, Stop This Train. The lyrics speak of a challenge of, well, the challenge of living, just living life. And life goes on in the midst of those difficulties, and some of you here today and some of you viewing online today are going through very difficult times right now, challenges that you did not anticipate and definitely parts and chapters of a story that you did not wish to be a character in, but thus here you are. Sometimes life just seems to move on seemingly out of control. Decisions are made by other people that impact many. Other people have made decisions that have impacted your life for good and for bad. Good is nice, but bad seems to be bigger and often is the part that we remember the most. And memories of days gone by become treasures, but seemingly treasures that get lost in the shuffle of busyness. And sometimes when you hit a certain age, you look back and recognize the innocence of childhood has been erased. Mayer sings of watching his parents age, and some of you understand that fully, and knowing that his parents one day will die. And he will be left alone as an adult doing what adults must do. And in our culture today, that's even become a verb. He'll be left alone adulting, which is kind of a dumb word when you think about it. But that's what he's going to do. And that concept is daunting to him. Here are the lyrics, just a portion of them. Stop this train. I want to get off and go home again. I can't take the speed it's moving in. I know I can't, but honestly, won't somebody, someone, stop this train? Don't know how else to say it. Don't want to see my parents go. I'm one generation's length away from fighting life out on my own. Oh, come on, stop this train. I want to get off and go home again. I can't take the speed it's moving in. I know I can't, but honestly, won't somebody, someone, stop this train? Sometimes life feels like you're, it is a speeding train and we're just along for the ride. And in those moments that others may say, these are adventures. This is the time of life. You're living your best life now. Sometimes in our midst of, of enjoying that or supposedly supposed to be enjoying what others are saying or the prime of our life, we're just crying out, someone, would you just please stop this train? Because you feel overwhelmed. Situations occur seemingly out of the blue. 
even if you think you're ready for it. I've yet to do a funeral for anyone who was really ready for the funeral of their loved one. It doesn't matter how long they were terminal, what illness they were battling, what they were going through. When the moment comes, it still always seems to come as a shock. I'm not minimizing that. It's a reality of life because change is upon you. Sometimes you may be like John Mayer, just wishing with all that life is giving you, would someone just please stop this train? Maybe you can relate. Do you ever want to just throw up your hands and say, I'm done? I'm done. Hey, most recently, with all that's been going on in the world, the verse of the day from Christians and non-believers who like to sound Christian are posting, Lord Jesus, please come. But I wonder if it's really a prayer for God to fulfill that which he has promised, or is it just a request, oh God, just stop the train so I can get out of here. It might be a little more self-serving than we want to admit. I'm done. I think about that, I'm done. Tracy and I, our granddaughter, was having swim lessons Two-year-old swim lessons is fun. I'm glad I wasn't there. I couldn't have handled it. But anyway, they threw her in the water. <laughs> and uh, it was uh, an extreme, it was, uh, I don't know how else to describe, I think, that the, I think hundreds of you have been through the same lessons in this, in this town. You know the lady that does them. She's great, but it's, it's just intense. All I know is that when she got out of the water, the little video that was sent, she was like, uh, you know, Ashley, our, our mom's going, you did it. She goes, I did it, I did it. And then she goes, but I'm done. <laughs> you know? Wait till tomorrow. No, 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 no. I'm done. You know? now, she, now she's a water bug. She likes getting in the water now. It's like, I'm done. I'm done. And sometimes you can relate. You're just like, hey, life is going. It's moving fast. I'm, I'm just, time out. I want to get off. But that roller coaster keeps moving. That train keeps moving and you can't get off. Did you know that it's very tiring being tired all the time? Can you relate? It wearies me to be weary, and you get this. The spiritual battle is real, and the spiritual battle comes not in a lone lane, but also brings with it physical and mental and emotional battles alongside. Did you know that? We like to segment everything. You know, we're in church now. We're in our Sunday mode. But spirituality does not live in a lane by itself, but it overwhelms all the others. And the reality of spiritual battle is so real that it impacts everything else. We speak of this. We know this. We often come to church. Sometimes we just come to church on Sunday wanting a respite, just wanting a bit of rest, a place to be with friends, to drink some coffee, to eat some donuts, hear a Bible verse, hear a nice Bible study, reflect on what God is doing. And, and that's good. And I get that. I don't doubt that that's needed. In fact, that's actually part of worship, I believe, to rest in the Lord. But the world today seems smaller and with the advent of instant news and hot takes from every single thing by every single person, our phones and computers connect us with stories that often just add to the feelings of despair. Whether it's the continued unraveling of morality among many that makes it seem like we're going to owe Sodom and Gomorrah an apology, to the undermining of biblical Christianity among many under the banner of deconstruction, whether through the media, perhaps, or entertainment, or family-focused theme parks that are not family-focused any longer, from movies, the justice system, unveiled sins from formerly revered Christian leaders, or any number of other things, sometimes we just want to say, stop this train, I want to get off. I think David, the psalmist, the king, the shepherd boy, felt this way numerous times. His life is chronicled in the Old Testament, and it truly is a roller coaster of events, feelings of righteousness and sin by him toward others and by others toward him. 
and by all toward God. We see the shepherd boy chosen by God through the prophet Samuel, the forgotten son who wasn't even brought in as by his father as perhaps the one to be anointed. We read of him slaying the giant Goliath and being thrust into celebrity status immediately for Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. There's the drama between him and King Saul. There's the friendship between him and Jonathan. There's the moment he's finally crowned as the king. There are good days and then there are hard days. There's his moment where others are trying to kill him, Philistines especially. His own family and his own children tried to kill him. His sexually improper acts with Bathsheba, his power move upon her, the death of a child, his orchestrated murder of a faithful soldier. His highs are very high, his lows are very low. The reclaiming of the Ark of the Covenant was a high. And all the drama that leads in his life makes you wonder, how in the world did he get through all of this? And, and how did he ever get forgiven for all those heinous acts that he did? And how could a guy like that be known as a man after God's own heart? And yet he is. But David is not God, he is human, and in days of desperation, they were very real desperation moments, days where he was out in the wilderness and wondering, God, are you still there? And then remembering he was. And moments that led to despair. As you read through the Psalms, this collected hymn book that is located in the center of our Bibles, many of them, you notice, are penned by David himself. And in his lyrics, he bears his soul David was not writing songs so that he could move up the charts and billboard. He was not writing songs for personal notoriety. But he was opening his heart and his soul to the Lord with pen in hand, lyric sheet available, and worship through his despair, even in his hard times and the victories. Pointing himself and others to the one who is greater than all. There are numerous psalms that echo the thought of, I'm done, get me out of here. Please stop, no more. No mas. That's what Psalm 61 sounds like. David knew his feelings of desperation were not just feelings that he was having, but many of those in his nation that he was king over had the very same feelings. For so goes the shepherd, so goes the sheep. The psalm is one of many by David expressing the hope found in the midst of despair. The emotions are clear, and there is no sugarcoating here. If you like your Bible verses sugar-coated, you won't be reading most of them. There is no sweetness here that is inauthentic. That which is sweet is authentic and true as you see God reveal himself through this. You have words in here, like in verse 4, the words forever and all generations. The words in verse 6, day after day, verse 8. Four, six, and eight, all those verses that have those words that proclaim loudly that the one to whom David is singing to and the one that he has written this for is the God who offers hope for today and the tomorrow you can't see how you're going to get to. That's our God. God is steadfast now in the midst of the sinful mess that we endure, and God remains faithful despite ourselves. 
Sometimes we just need that reminder. I think perhaps that's maybe why in the midst of despair, David wrote this psalm as the Holy Spirit gave him the words to write so that he could sing it and others could sing it because there are many times that many of us at moments of despair in our lives with difficulty and circumstances and things we really don't have seemingly control over just want the train to stop so we can get off and, oh God, where are you is the cry, I thought you would help me through this. I thought if I was obedient and went to church all the time, my kids would be faithful and go to church when they were adults. I thought if I gave money to missions, then everything would be okay. I thought if I was active in Sunday school and just a good person, that it would all work out. But as you likely know, as many of you could testify even now, just going through those good motions which are right and good and holy does not always mean that life is right and good and feels holy. Difficulty comes. And sometimes we need to just borrow a little bit of David's words and go back here and say, you know what, David? I get it. I cry out to you, God, and I wonder if you're hearing me. And I am promised, and I get to the end and realize you are. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Sometimes we need to... <clears throat> excuse me, sing of that. Sometimes we need to sing to God and worship the truth that we know to be true. We sing to him and we also sing about him. And it is worshipful when we look to him. And it's evangelistic when we sing about him. You know, life is hard and sin is real and pain is constant and hopelessness is rampant, but we do have an answer. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that or do you just say yes because you're in church and you know you're not supposed to say no when the pastor says, do you believe that? Do you believe we really do have an answer? All right. Three of you really believe that. <laughs> and the rest of you want to. We do have an answer. We have hope. We have truth. And it covers all the other news and all the other recommendations of self-help that comes out there that offers temporal comfort when we need eternal security. For this is our song, Psalm 61. Now, we don't know any of the tunes of any of these songs, but I doubt they would sound like anything we sing. But we do know the words. And melodies are important, but words are more important. Let that just kind of sink in. No, no, no one's, 100 years from now, no one cares about the tune if the words are empty. The words are not just valuable, but these are holy, inspired, God-breathed words that are not only errant, but immutable, never-changing. And the cry is to God, please hear me. Look at it once more. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings, Selah. David cries out in verse 1. And that is not just a, a little tear dripping down his face as he stares off into the sunset. That word that translates cry is a word reflecting wailing. Not just a little sniffle. A desperate shout. An emphatic plea for God to hear and respond. Why would he do that? Because at this juncture in his life, this man after God's own heart feels very distant from God. He feels very far away from God. He feels very hopeless in this moment. He feels desperate in this moment. And he feels alone in this moment and perhaps even isolated. Having a conversation with one of our ladies this morning that 
She shared that one of the greatest challenges during the COVID pandemic when it was at its height was the, pu the push towards isolation that became so easy. We are not made to be isolated individuals hiding out in our homes, never engaging or encountering another human being. That's not how we are created, nor are we wired. You might be the introvert's introvert, but it still is not our wiring, not to that degree. Alone, isolated. It says he is crying from the ends of the earth. Well, where is the ends of the earth? What does that even mean? It's a hyperbole that refers to an emotional, if not physical, state where solitude is not just an experience, but is felt. It is a frantic feeling of being left alone. And just in case you only think it means hiding out in a cave in a desert near the Dead Sea, you probably can relate to this because you can feel alone in a crowd. You ever had that experience? People all around, but I'm all alone. It's real, and David knows this, and he is inspired by God himself, the Holy Spirit, to say this. Now, David is not the kid who is homesick because he was dropped off at summer camp for the first time, and it's his first time away from home, and he's crying so much that eventually the counselors say, Mom, Dad, come get him back. I've experienced that. This is not homesickness. This, this is despair. This is a threatening feeling where protection is sought. He cries out wailing, God, protect me. Wrap me up, bring me home, keep me safe. Why? Because I feel so alone, so abandoned, so desperate. And think about this. This is a guy that killed a lion. This is a guy that killed a giant man. This is a guy that led a people. This is what he's saying. God, I am scared. I am scared. Stop this train right now. I want to get off. That's the cry. And he cries for the rock that is higher than I, that solid, secure rock of protection superior to anything that he or I or you could muster up by our will. It is more than anything you or I could bring to the table. This defeats the entire theme of man up and tough it out and rub some dirt into it. This, is, this just doesn't even work there. This, this defeats, this just erases that philosophy that you have heard for generations that says, look within yourself, don't cry, be tough, suck it up, be strong. Is that bad advice? Not, not necessarily when it's centered on telling some boy or man or even a woman for that matter that your strength is, is in your thoughts to do better rather than being strong and courageous as Joshua was instructed. So in other words, if tough it out, be strong, rub some dirt into it, man up, whatever. If that is just a, a cry to, to, uh, to, to fake it till you make it, then it's empty. But if it's a cry that says you don't have it within yourself, no, you don't have what it takes. You'll never have what it takes, but God does. And if you lean into him, if you come to him, then you can be strong and courageous as Joshua as a good example. God gave him that instruction. Be strong and courageous. Take the land. Not because you're Joshua, because if you don't want to do it, I'll find another Joshua. But because I'm God, I want to use you and I choose to. Be strong, but not in your own strength. Be courageous, but not by your own will. But by your surrender to God, who is the one that can give this to you. God is our rock. That's what this says. You are the rock who is higher than I. 
He is one stronger. He is more secure. He is safer. He is higher. He is the victor. To quote the great theologian, Obi-Wan Kenobi, he has the high ground. This rock David speaks of is a metaphor of God's sovereign protection, which is superior to any and all human resources. Any gathering that we can come together and say, let's just make a decision to be strong, is not enough. God is our rock. David is seeking security in this dire time when giving up seems like a real option. Anybody ever feel like giving up? Anybody? Am I the only one? Okay. So, hey, just me and three others. So, when you really feel like, is it worth it? God is the one strong enough to see you through it. Some of you have said, I mean, some of you are like, hey, I'm ready to just, just give up. What, your job, your marriage, your family, your circumstances, your life? Yeah, those are real things people think. David was there. Do you think it ever crossed his mind? Can I just go back to being a shepherd? Where no one knew me and my dad even forgot I was there. It was so much easier then. So he cries out to God. And he cries loudly, hear me, lead me, protect me. You are my refuge. You're like a, like a, like a strong tower. Not just a temporary tent. See, tents are temporary and rocks are not. That's the prayer. That's the request. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. The rabbis go back to this teaching a lot, and it's a lot here. God does not have wings. God is, I've even heard uh, one of the rabbinical teachings that it's all about, is God a giant chicken? Because it's, it's the imagery. You have a hen with her wings covering her chicks. The imagery is there on purpose. For he is a God who protects his own. Hear this reality. God's protection is available. God has provided the way to a strong tower, to the secure rock, to these protective wings. The way in the Old Testament, go, look at this, this is crazy, is Jesus Christ, who we don't see named at Christ until the New Testament, but he was already being proclaimed. Centuries before that Bethlehem moment, the Holy Spirit gives these words to David. David writes them. David sings them, and they are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 14, in the word the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word, the Son of God, became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt means take up residence, means get a new address. He's not renting, he's living, he's buying, he's here. The, the, the old preachers say he will tabernacle with us not a word you hear often anymore. That old term reveals his closeness with us. Paul stated that this one who tabernacled, who dwelt among us, was and is the rock David was seeking. When Israel was escaping from Egypt in the Old Testament, Paul references this in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, all of them drank the same spiritual drink. They all drank from the spiritual rock, capital R, and that followed them. And the rock was Christ. Jesus Christ, as I mentioned last week, is in every single letter, word, book of the Bible. He is not only a powerful place of protection, but he is a permanent place of protection. Protection from what? From sin. 
from ourselves, from death, from the grave, from eternity separated from the Father, from loneliness, from forsakenness, to the wise men. You know this, right? You know that old song. The wise man builds his house where? Upon the rock. Now that's a church culture answer if I've ever heard one. You know, I, I, you know, it's like knowing your audience. Some of you are going, what are you referencing? It's a song they made us sing when we were kids in church. We sing it all the time. Wise man builds his house upon a rock. Foolish man builds his house upon the sand. We have hand motions. We dance around. Then we go get Kool-Aid and eat some crackers. Happy VBS. That's what we do. But there's truth in that. David goes there. God is our protector, our life giver, our salvation. In Christ we know God, for Christ is God. So he says, help me. And then he says, hold me. Hold me. You ever have your little kids come up to you and say, hold me. I want you to hold me. They just hug tight. Verse 5, for you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king himself. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So I will ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. There's a shift in the middle of this psalm. The first four verses are stop the train, I want to get off. The last four verses are I'm going to stay on the train, God, you're so good. God heard the prayers and pleas of David, and David held them tightly to himself. God held those prayers to himself, protected him. God protected David. God preserved David. God provided for David, and David wasn't a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination. So if God would do that for that scoundrel, what would he do for you? David didn't deserve any of the goodness because of the great sin that he committed, but David, still known as a man after God's own heart, was a holy and godly leader in so many ways as he was repentant of his sin and forgiven of his sin and cleansed of his sin. See, the promise is understood. In the midst of despair, even if tomorrow is not easy, God has me. We don't know if tomorrow is going to be easy or not, we don't know what's going to happen this week. We didn't know what was going to happen last week until it happened. I mean, you, you just, you just don't, almost don't even want to, want to like open your iPad or your phone or look at the news. You know, what's going to happen next? What, shooting's going to take place. Another horrendous act's going to take place. Another thing's going to be revealed. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But God does. He's already there. And God is our rock and our salvation. And as David referenced in verses 6 through 8, there is a future for all generations, day after day. Oh, come, Lord Jesus, please hurry up and come. Does that, is that our prayer? Because we are saying worshipfully, God, your will be done and do that what you do. Or is it really a spiritualized way of saying, stop the train, I want to get off? It just sounds more Christian. Well, maybe it does, but it's exactly what David was saying. Can you just stop? See, God is faithful when we are not. God is faithful in a world falling apart. I hope you have this hope. Are you, do you have this hope? I mean, just a little self, self-reflection here. Are you, are you feeling this? Are you experiencing this? Or are you just wanting the train to stop so you can get off? Do you say this, come Lord Jesus, but is it for God's glory or for your own personal ease? Is it just so you can hurry up and get out of here and get to heaven? 
not have to deal with all the challenges of a sinfully sick satanic society that is self-serving? Is that it? Or, or do this, do you know the one who tabernacled with us, dwelt among us, who didn't pitch a tent but became a strong tower that would remain for the glory of the Father and for our good? See, I know many of you that are watching and are in the room today are Christians. You're born again. You're saved. You're good. But you just needed a reminder today, just like David did, that God is still God. And he is not limited by our organization or our structure. And he has the answers. But some of you are living in desperation and doubt because you don't know this Jesus we come to talk about and worship every Sunday. And the doubts and the desperation and the overwhelming feeling is overwhelming you even now. But today is the day of hope. Today is the day of life. Today is the day of new birth. And maybe it's not so much God stopped this train, but maybe God is saying this to you. You're on the wrong train. And you're heading the wrong way. But today you can make that change. Maybe, maybe that's what you need this day. I want to pray for you, and then as a church, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And I want to lead us through that in a very special way today. So let's pray for those that maybe are, <laughs> are on the wrong train. And maybe those of us that need to just hold on a little longer. Father, in the age of hopelessness and desperation, we echo what David, the king, the prophet, the leader here, the king said, under your inspiration. As he cried out to you as a man in desperation, asking you to help him and to hold on to him, and you answered that prayer. We cry out to you the very same cry. We, we, we ask you, Lord, to hold on to us, to help us in our desperation, to heal us. And Father, there are people in the room and watching online today that have no hope because they don't know you. They have enough church in them just to be dangerous, and they know enough of the Jesus version of cultural Jesus to, to not really know you. And I pray today you will break through all of that, reveal yourself to them as who you truly are, draw them to yourself, and may today be their birthday, their new birthday, their salvation moment. May that happen even right now. If that's you... Here's, I mean, it's not just repeat a prayer and you're a Christian, but here's the heart of that prayer. Father, I know I've sinned. I'm sorry. And I confess that to you and ask you, this is what you'd ask him. Forgive me of my sin. I believe Jesus is your son, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross, that he rose again on the third day. And he is alive even now. And because of that, Father, I want to be alive too. If that is your prayer today, I promise you God's hearing it. And this could be your new birthday. Father, may that happen in this room even now, or even online, live or later. But do that which only you can do. Save the lost. Rescue the perishing. Give life to the dead. And give hope to the hopeless. And for the Christians in the room who have just been so overwhelmed with all of life's circumstances and issues, remind them that the 
the train they're on is going to a destination they, they, they have reserved for them. And to just trust you in the midst of the difficulty. And when they aren't strong enough to hold on tight, Lord, let them rest in you knowing that you're holding tightly to them. I pray this in your son's name, in Jesus' holy name. Amen.